Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you help other people. My name is Kate Watson. I'm I'm sort of like buzzing with energy right now, looking at the faces, looking back at me on this Zoom meeting, because, you know, I've been doing the podcast for a couple of years, and I thought, let's do this series on parenting, and I gathered up a couple of my, my parent friends. One of them is currently taking a sip of beer as I say this. I gathered up my parent friends and I said, some of you have teenagers. Let's talk teenagers. And so um, that's who I have for you here today. A couple of really great people who I've known for a number of years through the motivational interviewing organization that I'm a part of. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, You know, I'm just going to pick Jen to go first. Want to say hello? Thanks, Kate. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Jennifer Alice Bloomquist. I am a Canadian living in Sweden. Um, I am also a part of MINT, Motivational Interviewing's Network of Trainers. I work um, as a cognitive behavioral coach. I'm an author and a course creator. And I am a mother to two teens, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. So this is going to be a lot of fun talking about the do's and don'ts and mistakes that we all make. So thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Scott, you want to go next? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Uh, So I'm Scott Kirby. I am a licensed professional counselor, and uh, I have met this merry band also through the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. Um, I have done most of my clinical work in dual diagnosis, so working with folks with uh, substance use issues and mental health issues. Uh, Right now, I'm working as the clinical training coordinator at a uh, local community mental health center here in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, so I get to train a lot of evidence-based practices and stand up in front of people. And I, boy, do I miss being in front of live people. Uh, But Zoom is at least giving us a format to to survive. Um, I have been married for 24 years. Um, I have two teenage sons, 17 and 14. And if nothing else I've learned about parenting is I'm not as good at it as I thought I was going to be at like 20. Uh, Prior to kids, I thought, my gosh, I am going to just kill this. And um, so far, it's not worked out quite like that. We're making it. We're making it. But that's that's about all I've got so far. Scott, those kids are alive, aren't they? So far. Yes. Yes, that's right. If that is the goal, success, we have a hundred percent success rate. Uh, right. Yep. All right. Very good. Thanks for that, Scott. And then Mallory, I see you laughing. <laughs> I'm going to let you go next. <laughs> I so appreciate Scott's humility. The, the bar of expectation is set at a level that I too can accomplish. So I just want to say thank you, Scott. Oh my goodness. Um, my name is Mallory DeSalle, and I am a parent of three kids, uh, two of which are teens or teens in the next couple of months. So I have a 14-year-old son who's turning 15 soon, a daughter who's 12, almost 13, and a 10-year-old that's about to turn 11. When I'm not parenting, um, I also work as a motivational interviewing trainer. 
I also love Oreos. I've talked about that. I also was on Kate's uh, only trying to help talking about affirmations and laughter. So I, I'm just excited to be back and uh, <laughs> I'm feeling supported. I'm surrounded by people that get that it's not that we're trying to do things wrong. It's just we're too late by the time we realize it. <laughs> uh, we could start there. We could end there. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, you know, and I kept emphasizing to all three of you as we were planning this, that you, you are not expected to be an expert here. Um, you know, you, you don't have to have all the answers. And then I thought poor Jen actually wrote a book on working with teens. And so there's probably like a little bit more pressure on you. Don't you think, Jen? You know, it's funny because today I had a little issue, even that, well, story, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to handle the situation. I'm like, just wait, I'm going to go read my book. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Being a parent is, and, and using communication techniques and everything like that, it's easier when you don't have this, this extreme uh, emotional bond with someone, it, it makes everything harder. And uh, so I think regardless of what you have for education or books you write or whatever, it's, it's, about, it's about love, loving people so much that you want to help them. Yeah. I like that you had to go consult the expert in your book and it was yourself, which is profound on so many levels. It's like, it really shows how when you're in your work headspace, you can really show some wisdom and put those ideas out into the world. And then when you're a parent, you're like searching for someone to help you. <laughs> and it might just be your work self that, that could come to the rescue. That's a really funny thought for me that I'm going to enjoy all weekend. Thank you for that. Um, okay, folks. So here's what we're doing. People come to this podcast because they're the kind of person who's got a big heart and they want to be there for people and they like being helpful. And sometimes they worry that like, oh, what if I'm doing it wrong? What if I'm not saying the right thing? What if I'm not doing the right thing? Um, and I really think that's largely our audience or folks who want to be good souls doing good in the world who sometimes get a little anxious or nervous about how to do that. So I wanted to talk to you with your parent hats on now, with your parent hats on, when do you feel that kind of urge to want to step in or help or assist your kids in some way? And, and I'm particularly interested in those, those teenage years. When does it come up for you that you start to feel that urge? Like, oh, I've got to do something. I've got to help them. I think the the biggest place where I step in it by wanting to do instead of support is when it comes to homework and, and school stuff, because it, it's so hard. We know reasonably what's expected of them. We kind of understand what's going to happen if they don't do it. We even almost in many cases understand the content and we feel like, oh, come on, it's just, and anytime you start a sentence with the word just, <laughs> you're already sort of judging and making some implications and taking away autonomy. And I have had to do some digging on that. Like, why do I want to help my son who's 14 with homework? 
more than my 12 year old because she gets high grades and he doesn't. And I've observed in myself that I don't always credit him for his intelligence as much. And I step in more frequently, even though, frankly, he's quite bright. And I almost undermined his intelligence every time I try and help him. The, the way I help him is almost by saying like, I don't think you can handle this. So if you want, I'll just take this for you. And I am shocked by that, but I discovered that pretty early, even before teen time. And now, even when he's struggling, I have to sit back and avoid helping which is super hard. I don't know if anyone else agrees with those <laughs> statements. Yeah, because, you know, I was thinking that exact same thing is like when, when I see that they could, or like my son can do so much better if he just did a little more or just wrote like this or did that or whatever. Um, and I also have the tendency to take over uh, so, or, and I know my husband also has that tendency. So, I mean, sure we help them and, and, and uh, my son will get an A, but is it my husband or me or my son that gets the A? So I think that's, that's really, really hard. Yeah. So I can, uh, I'm, I'm nodding along and amen from the back pew here. Um, so with our kids, especially, and I don't know if, if you see this too with multiple kids, but like how, so, so um, our, our children from the same two people and how gosh dang different um, they, I mean, they're definitely brothers. They look alike. They have some similarities, but personality wise, they are. So my eldest son came out of the womb, a pain in the butt. He is a strong willed, difficult child in so many ways. Um, incredibly intrinsically motivated, almost impossible to motivate externally. Threats, guilt, shame, money, can't do it. Now, my youngest son is sweet and kind and easygoing. And so like trying to parent the two of them through school, the, strategy we, the strategies we use for one, it doesn't work for the other one at all. And uh, so, so my eldest, uh, my wife is a rule follower. She got straight A's. She did every homework assignment ever given. I was always a rule bender. Like, well, what's the heart behind this? Well, that's my oldest son. All homework is optional, especially if it's stupid. Why would he do this? And now in COVID times, they've made it so you can turn in everything late. So no children left behind. But then you get a kid like my son who's like, this is fantastic. I can turn everything in late. Why would I do it on time? And we have real-time grade stuff now. Like, I know the instant something is late. And uh, I would have, my mother would have beaten me to death if this system existed 30 years ago, because I always put things off. I always got a, a, a bad note before midterm, and then I, I fight and get it up to an acceptable grade. So it's been really hard. Like, we've had to set some boundaries about all the information we can get We've had to like shut some of that down because we know too much. And so that's been something we've had to really work on, like dealing with. So uh, this has been great. I feel like you guys don't need me, which is awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll go get a beer. <laughs> 
Um, no, what I'm going to do instead is I, I'm going to grab a couple of highlights of what I heard, and that might just spark some further thoughts. We'll just see where that goes. So one thing I heard, um, particularly from Mallory, but maybe a little bit from everybody, was this idea that sometimes when we try to help, we may accidentally send the message, I don't think you can do this. Um, And that's probably not just true with our teenagers or with our kids. I mean, I'll bet we do this with our spouses, with our aging parents, um, that when we step in and say, here, let me do that for you, we may be accidentally telling them, I don't believe in you. Um, and so that's one thing I heard. Anyone can grab that in a moment. I'll just float a few other things out there. And then, you know, it's like I'm feeding fish. I just want you to grab something here. <laughs> so another thing I heard, and this is, I think, a little bit about what Scott was saying. This is a different time to be a teenager. Um, that some of the things your teens face are actually different than the world you grew up in. Scott said, 30 years ago, my mother would have seen that I turned in an assignment late and this and that would have happened, but it's a different world now where you get this instant feedback and monitoring of your children's schoolwork. I didn't even know that, by the way, so thank you for telling me that. So that's another thing I heard that maybe somebody wants to grab. The third thing is just honestly this topic of homework, because I set up this series to talk to some parents of toddlers. Well, they're not talking about homework. They've got two-year-olds. And I've been talking to some parents of young adults who have children who are 22, 23. They're not really concerned with homework at that age. So I'm also zeroing in on, this might be unique to the teen years. um, And there's this unique time of life where homework is more of a thing than it is when you've got a two-year-old or a 20-year-old. There, I've sprinkled some food out. Eat what you might like. <laughs> um, I was pretending to be a fish. You guys couldn't see. The, the, the listeners can't see, but I was a real good fish. Um, I, I think I, the first thing I'd like to grab is this um, idea that Mallory was talking about is when we're trying to help, we're actually giving the message that you can't do it. And I think that is so incredibly important because it also makes me think about like our like our psychological needs. I everyone has a need for autonomy and to feel like they can and to you know have people around them and be needed by other people. And when that's a, it's different, it's a difficult environment to have in a household as well when you're an adult and you've been through things and you're all experienced and you know you've been a teen so you know where things are going to to strengthen their ability and see what they can do but also want to challenge them to be better than than they are right now do you know what I mean um so that's that's something that I talked about and when I asked my son what works for you when mommy and dad their mom and dad are trying to help you what works And he said, well, it works when you listen uh, and it doesn't work when you take over. And so I got really excited and I said, oh, so what happens when we take over? And he's like, well, just just stop caring. Like he loses interest. And I thought that was really interesting because that's really neat saying to him, don't worry about this. I got it. You don't need to think about it. You can't do it anyway. I I don't know how many parents take the time to ask their kids what's, what's a better way to work with you? (laughs) So thanks for that. Yeah. 
So just on the, the topic of, of, of homework, um, and, and that really has been a, a struggle um, and, and is a place where we have really struggled with that. Hey, I'm just trying to help you here. Uh, like Jen had said that we see what you're capable of. And I was such a bad student. It's so funny. My wife oftentimes hears me saying things to my son. I'm like, I, we knew each other in college. I know how bad of a student you were. Um, but, I, you know, we want better. Um, we, we, you know, for our, for our kids. And so when we see them not applying and so just that, um, you know, trying to really boils down to like, we've had to step back and, and ask like, okay, what is our end goal? Is our end goal for him to get perfect grades, especially my oldest, my youngest, uh, like Molly was saying, great grades, does all the homework, you know, it's kind of run on autopilot. So he's going to sneak into some weird stuff as a 16 year old, probably they'll catch us off guard. But our 17 year old is kind of loud and like, we're aware of his issues. Um, but do we want him to get a 4.0 because we're doing this project for him or we're, we're guys, we're on him every second to get him and make home life miserable, which we've done, or do we let him get a D? Do we let him get that bump on his head? Do we let him go? Oh gosh, this isn't really, um, what I want and, and suffer through that. And, and that real-time grading I talked about. So, so because of that, like we only checked that like once a month now, and we, we had to have that agreement because it was, it was world war two when like, Hey, why didn't you turn that paper in? You know, you got to turn that paper in. Well, you're going to be living in a van down by the river if you don't turn in that math assignment. And, you know, you could just feel, and, and the MI training of like hearing those yeah, but conversations kept having, dad, it's not that big of a deal. They don't even care. It doesn't even matter. And so kept, I kept hearing them. And so we just had to step back and like, okay, we're going to check once a month. We're going to hold them accountable at that time, but we got to trust them to, to, to fail or do it, um, you know, uh, as a 17 year old and kind of give him that freedom. And if he falls flat, we're going to try to keep him from like failing out, but somewhere between failing out and, and, you know, uh, 4.0, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to live there. And that, that's been, we have failed a lot in that area. Mm. I, I kept myself on mute to not disturb the recording, but I was laughing hard at you're going to be living in a van down by the river. Uh, so thanks for that reference. Um, anybody else want to chime in before I start directing us a little? Mallory, I see you've unmuted. Go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, what, what Scott was just describing matches a great deal to our family's experience, particularly with our oldest as well. And that that check ourselves with what's our objective for our child is really huge. And I am grateful to him because I do reuse that thought process with my other children, whereas no other parenting lesson that I've learned has been reusable. Um, but with that sort of what's our goal for him, it's huge because I keep thinking about, okay, now grades were important to me. You know, I graduated high school fourth in my class. I got a full tuition scholarship to college. It, I, I wasn't um, gifted or high ability sort of learning wasn't necessarily easy, but work ethic is my value and it's a strength. So as a result, my grades were strong. My siblings didn't have that same 
um, situation, but they all graduated and most of my siblings make more money than me, even though I have the highest degree level and, you know, have the fanciest, if you will, job. They're all fine. They're all good. And my son will be too. And so when I keep thinking about what is my objective, it's that I want him to find something that he's really good at and that he's happy doing. And I've observed that the classes that he enjoys, like forensic science, knocked that one out of the park, y'all. But uh, algebra, hmm, <laughs> that one, he doesn't quite ace. And uh, I can't do the homework for him because I've learned that if I do, he still is going to struggle on the test and then he's going to feel deflated and it's going to make it worse. So instead, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to help him figure out where is he going to invest his energy. And it's not going to be arguing with me about his grades. I'm going to say, how do you feel about your math grade? Well, I think I could do better. Cool. What will that, what will that take? And that's been hard because sometimes making his grade better is literally a D to a D plus, which is not acceptable in my personal goal. If it were me, a D plus would never be like, yeah, cool. I nailed that. For my child, it might, that might be the goal because it started out in F. And I, I guess the point is, is that I have tried to stop judging myself as a result of like my kid's grade. Like I refuse to decide that because my kid got an F that I'm not a good parent because I know that's not the case. Recently, when my son got in a little bit of trouble that was unexpected and um, surprising to me, I realized that anyone else that would have had a child in that same trouble, I would have assumed really bad things about that parent. And now I'm like, holy cow, I'm, I'm communicative. I support my child. I love him. I hug him. I take him to therapy. Like he gets his regular doctors. He takes vitamins every day. <laughs> he has, he has a powerful toothbrush, like I'm doing the things and yet he still makes bad choices. And so it just can't be all or nothing. Um, so I don't know. I took it sort of a funny direction. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. And he's into forensic science. So that's like murder and stuff. <laughs> right. Which is not what he got in trouble for doing. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. No. Um, but, but I mean, he's, he's a, a gifted musician. Mm -hmm. Maybe music is where he's going to go. Will he need algebra for that? Maybe not. He just needs to know how to count to four to get the four, four time. Like he can do that. <laughs> so it's about not making that judgment that his end result is merely based on my contribution and that my contributions can be judged with his end results in various areas. Mallory, you were getting a lot of head nods from the group, like really adamant. Mm -hmm, yep. And I, I noticed it in particular when you were really describing how you, you've got to kind of separate you know, your son's success from your own success. And I, I think that's a really healthy approach. And listen, I don't have kids, but I have parents 
And sometimes I wish they would separate their success from my success a little bit. Um, so from the, the, the child point of view, the 37 year old child that I am, uh, I, this speaks to me too. Sometimes I want to say, mom, dad, I, I messed up and this has nothing to do with you. Let me go mess up. And this doesn't mean the neighbors will talk about you or that the whole family is going to have a meeting about you. It has, it has nothing to do with you. And I think it's freeing as the child here, I feel weird calling myself a child since I'm pushing 40, but as the, as the one who's being parented, it's meaningful to me if my parents can let that go as well. Uh, I think it's freeing in some ways that my actions don't have to represent them. Uh, what a burden to carry as a person growing up that I, I can't go out into the world and mess up. I'm representing the whole family here. I, I don't want that. Well, just on that theme, I mean, uh, as Mallory was talking, I thought I, I owe so many people in the grocery store apologies over the years for the judgments I had about their parenting uh, and my brothers. So I have three older brothers that are quite a bit older. So I was an uncle by nine and just thinking like, oh, man, my kids will never. And then you have kids. And uh, I heard a teacher talk about, you know, each kid is like a, a stick with their own bent, you know, that that they're just they come that way. And so much of, you know, we think nature versus nurture, so much of like that personality that was from day one. In uh, both my kids that are so different, like if I if I if I make it all personal and about us and our parenting skills, if they do well, I'm going to be I'm going to be um, uh, erringly proud and taking credit for things that probably I shouldn't. And on the other side, I, I, too much guilt about things that, you know, that D, it, it's not necessarily a reflection of how horribly we've done. And that's that is that is tough. But I definitely. Um, in the in the in the great universe, have some apologies to mentally give to some people that uh, were, were doing poorly in Walmart with their children, and uh, you know, I get it now. So, with all the things that we've discussed, I'm trying to figure out if there's any way. And folks, I don't know if this is possible, but is there any way we can sort out for the listeners a couple of things that seem to work pretty well, or good things to keep in mind? food for thought kind of stuff versus some other list of things we've learned don't really work so well. I can only kick us off with things I've heard you say already. So I'm going to sort of spill a few of those. Like one thing I heard from Scott was you've got two kids who are wildly different. And so what worked for one does not work for the other. And so I'm taking that away as like, a, okay, what doesn't work as a parent is trying a one size fits all model. That doesn't seem to work is what I'm hearing from the group. Uh, what can we add to the list? Feel free to stick on the list. Something that you think does kind of work well versus something you've learned doesn't really work so well. And we know these aren't strict rules. These are just kind of lessons learned, things like that. Uh, just to kind of piggyback on that one, I think one of the things that's helped me is to think is about equality. Uh, like they're not the same and they're never going to be the same. I don't need to handle them the same way or treat them the same way. And I also need to kind of help them 
not feel the need that everything has to be equal because there's a period you know where where it was like oh everything has to be the same like if my 13 year old gets this my 15 year old has to get that and my 15 year old gets this my 13 year old and and so I started to think what's helped me is to think I I can't help I can't make things equal I need to help them realize that life isn't equal so how can I support and guide them to handle the inequalities that they're gonna have because it's a perfect like arena to practice in a family uh I I I feel like that's a good mindset for me because otherwise as a parent before I came to this realization I was trying to do everything equally like same amount of money goes to the Christmas gifts and this and that and the other thing and that's stressful um, as a parent. Jen, I was just, I'm nodding. Cause I was just going to say, you know, I observe my friends who have, who have children or my sister who has children just exhausting themselves over this. Like, Oh, I bought Johnny a snack. So now I got to find Sally a snack. It's like, does Sally even want a snack? I don't, <laughs> why are we worried about this? Um, and so I do see people bending over backwards over things need to be equal, equal, equal. And I can appreciate your point that um, if you're going to put all this energy into something, why not put it into a, a more healthy life message of, you know, I'll put my energy into things are not always equal. How do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah. And, and also trying to, um, if, if things aren't going to be equal and they're having difficulties dealing with it, I think I need to build a relationship with my 15 year old in a way that works for him. And then I need to build a relationship with my 13 year old in a way that works for her. And it doesn't have to be equal. You don't have to spend the exact same amount of minutes together, but together we create this, this bond and relationship that will help them get through inequalities with each other and in life. Um, that, that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, I agree. I think that equal parts is definitely a phase of parenting that we all try and decide if it works for our family or not. And uh, this was the first year for Christmas, Jennifer, that I said, oh, well, this kid wants a $20 gift and that's going to make her feel really, really happy. That's what she gets. And then the other kid, it's going to take a little bit different and a little bit more money. Okay, well, that's what they get but they both feel the same feeling, which is pretty cool. Um, but when I think about those feelings that are expressed, that's one of those things that works for me that I have to remember that it's okay that my teenager is gonna be mad at me. And that's a really hard one for me personally. Like that is my whole therapy session multiple times a year is somebody is mad at me I feel so devastated that my child, partner, colleague, coworker is mad at me. But teens, it feels so permanent, so real. And it's easy to forget that it's okay, that they're mad at you. Doesn't mean you're parenting incorrectly. It's also important that we check our own emotions. Am I parenting out of anger? Am I punishing out of anger and that's something that my partner and I are really working on because in the moment we might say like you're grounded give me your phone for a month 
And they were like, oh no, they play three games out of town this weekend. They need their phone. And then we're like, Ding, by the way, here's your phone back. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of stuff is all about kind of emotional intelligence. And I credit my therapist for helping me be a better parent just because she's helping me observe my reactions, my child's reactions, and just sort of saying feelings are okay. And to even let my child know, it's okay that you're mad at me. I still love you. It's okay that you're mad. I'm still going to have to um, ask you to go to bed early. You know, your room still has to be clean, even if you're mad at me. And that's probably the, for me personally, something that I remind myself of regularly, because I just can't always have a happy kid. Mallory, when you mentioned sometimes my kids will be mad at me, I looked at the clock and I thought, I can't believe it took us 40 minutes to get there. <laughs> like I, you know, in TV and movies, when, when the scene involves parenting a teenager, it's always anger. <laughs> it, it's always a scene of an angry teenager and angry parents and everybody's mad at each other. And so I do think our kind of Hollywood image of parenting a teenager is like everybody's constantly mad at each other. Um, and, and again, I humbly admit I don't have teenagers at home. So I'm, I'm relying on you and others who I know to tell me, like, how accurate is that? Maybe in some households it does feel that way and maybe in others it doesn't. But it surprised me that it took this group so long to say, my teenager sometimes gets mad at me. I see you've unmuted. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it really ebbs and flows. And I have to say that in my household, there's sort of like a period of time between 11 and 13, where my kids just sort of quarantine themselves voluntarily into their rooms. And then as they get a little bit older, they start reintegrating into the family and there's more interaction, which means fewer angry encounters. But that 11 to 13 range has been historically a tough one. Thanks for that, Mallory. Um, Scott, I'm only turning to you. You didn't do the hand gesture. I'm only turning to you because Jen responded to then Mallory and we're kind of coming to a close. So I, I, I'm basically giving you the last word, my friend. <laughs> do the um, mic drop. Man, that's that's some pressure. Um, <laughs> you know, just just kind of thinking about the, the things that we have learned, um, the things that do seem to work. Um, my my oldest son being so independent. Um, th there's things about yourself like I was not going to be my mom. My mom was a bit overprotective and always assumed something was going on. And she remembers the four times she was right. She forgets the 23,000 times that nothing was going on. Uh, so she feels like she has this special sense. Like I always knew you always thought something was going on. So I was like, I won't be that way. And then I have this super independent son who is not real verbal. My youngest son is I'm a talker and he's not a talker. He's like his mom. And so this relationship I've wanted with him, like, hey, let's share deep secrets. And my whole life, my whole career, I've been the guy who, hey, bring that difficult teen in. I, I can build rapport with them. People pay good money to come talk to me. My oldest son is not impressed, not impressed with that. Um, he, does, he doesn't understand why anyone would pay money to come talk to me. So I've really struggled because it's like I can, I can have great rapport with your difficult kid, but my own kid 
It's not the relationship I pictured it would be. So I've had to adapt to let him be who he is. And what I've found with him, if we need to have a, a good conversation, A, I, I, I have to be real careful about, um, I have to give him trust until he does something to take it away. Uh, like there's this Life360 app now where you can know where everybody is at all times. We have intentionally not gotten it for him because I think he would feel like it's a lack of trust. And so now my youngest son probably wants it. So he'll feel secure like, dad, what if I'm kidnapped? You won't know. So he's probably got it on his phone already. We don't know about. So we've had to make that adjustment with my oldest son. And I know what has worked for him. If we have to have a tough conversation, we go for a drive. There is something magical about being in a car where my son that doesn't talk much, you get him in a car, we'll get the radio on, he'll talk. So whether it was talking about sex or talking about girlfriends or talking about you're kind of being an idiot. And there's a part of me that wants to um, tell you that. And I know that's not going to be helpful. So how can we ask questions? We go for a ride in a different environment. And so that's kind of our sanctuary when we have to have a real conversation where I really want to connect. We, we go for a drive. And, and just quickly, the other thing this has all taught me is the importance of having other adults in their life who can speak some things to them that um, they won't listen to me. And so um, we've had other coaches, we've had other friends where, again, dad's an idiot. I don't want to hear it from him, but other, other adults who have been able to have those conversations and super meaningful um, and, and has enhanced our parenting because we've had, we've had other people we trust who they may not, I, I'm not going to know everything my son does and it's good that I don't. And my parents, thank God they didn't know everything I did. But to have some people in their lives that they can go to has been a huge help uh, for my wife and I. So I love that. You got a thumbs up from Jen. Um, you got a heart emoji from Mallory. I don't know if you noticed any of that while you were speaking, Scott. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that we could probably start to wrap this up around, you know, no one goes it alone. Um, even if you're, you know, a, a single parent, um, you know, you, you don't have to go it alone. Uh, find some other folks, whether, as you said, Scott, coaches, teachers, neighbors, parents of other kids, you know, aunts and uncles, whoever it may be, um, that you as the parent don't have to, to carry all of this on your shoulders to know where they are and what they're doing and what they think and how they feel. Um, to know some of that would be good. And then there are some other adults you can kind of pass the baton to is, is a really nice idea. And I'll bet, I'm just guessing, I'll bet there are going to be some people listening to this who say, Ooh, I should have thought of that a few years ago. <laughs> um, but maybe it's never too late. Let, you know, maybe that's something people can incorporate. I just wanted to say one last thing, maybe. And I think what I'm feeling right now is that um, being a parent is hard work. And if you screw up, it's okay, because the person that can help you be the best parent is your team. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's see, you know, I, Scott, I had you doing the mic drop, but that might have been it. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> Boom, that might have been it. I just want people to feel that they're not alone and we're all doing the best we can. You know, we, we did try to come to this theme of don't go it alone, but, but what you're adding, Jen, is that part of that team, I'm ending that with an M, not an N, part of the team is your teen. <laughs> that is so cheesy. I'm going to have to redo that. But 
it was accidentally ridiculous, but the, the, the thought, the concept is there. Part of that team, part of the, it takes a village includes the young person in your life. They are part of that team as well. And so I think that's something I'm, I'm going to carry with me. And (laughs) so thank you for that. I was also thinking, Jen, as you were talking about a conversation I had with my own father recently, and, you know, we were talking about some of the things I was up to or some of the things he was doing, whatever the case was. And at the conclusion, he goes, you're right now, neither of us are that big of a deal. And I, and he goes, and, you know, and that's, that's probably pretty good. We just need to always remember we're not that big of a deal. It'll be fine. <laughs> we are all a tiny speck of dust in this universe. <laughs> we just can keep it in sort of perspective, you know, we're not that big of a deal. And that's not an insult. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Mallory, you've been drinking. I we're going to let it go. One. <laughs> we're we're going to let you slide. You could say anything right now. And I will we'll have go. some water now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that folks. Um, I mean, don't be surprised if I ask you to do this all over again someday. <laughs> Because I, I think we barely scratched the surface. You know, we could do a whole thing on talking to teens about sex, um, a whole thing on talking to teens who are feeling really angry right now. And so um, you can always tell me no when I reach out to you and say, you want to go again? So the folks who are listening are welcome to email the show. Um, you can email me at Kate at only trying to help.com. You can go to our website to see what other resources we may put up. Probably we'll be promoting Jen's book again about working with teens. It's already on the website, but we might as well just stick it in a few extra spots on the website. Um, and before I sign off, I just have to say thanks to each of you. Uh, I kept myself muted while I was laughing hysterically because I didn't want to mess you up. Um, but I, I'm just going to say now for the listeners that I was laughing a lot all throughout this. And, you know, I, I think clearly we've sent the message to the listeners that parents can have some expertise without having all of it. And that's okay. That you can make some mistakes and have some great victories and you can feel great as a parent while you sometimes have some bad days. Um, I think that's what I've taken away from this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.